Thank you for tuning in to Emmanuel Faith Community Church. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Well, my name is Josh, and I get to bring you the next song on our playlist. And that is Psalm 124. Now, um, Psalm 124 bring, uh, begins with a little call and response. It says a line, and then it says, let Israel now say. Now, I'm going to replace that with church. Let church now say. And so it's a call and response. And so I'm going to say something, and then you repeat after me. And we're going to use the words of this psalm, all right? And so um, I'm going to say... There we go. If the Lord had not been on our side. Yeah, yeah, I thought that might be the case. Um, we, we, gotta, we gotta, let me explain again. This is call and you respond, okay? So repeat after me. If the Lord had not been on my side. If the Lord had not been on our side. You're getting a little bit better, but maybe some competition will work. And so... This side versus this side. I'm not joking, okay? Let's go. Let's start this side first, all right? You ready? One, two, three. If the Lord. I think we can do better. Let's hear it. You get one more shot. Ah, <laughs> oh, well done. Do you know what would happen if the Lord had not been on our side, we would have died. Complete and utter failure. That's what this psalm says. And that's what we're going to go to next because do you want to know what would happen if the Lord had not been on our side? When, as the psalm continues, when people rose up against us, do you know how bad it would have been? This is where you say, how bad would it have been, Josh? There you go. See, now you're getting the hang of it here. It would have been so bad. We would have been so utterly destroyed that it would have, it would have been like we would have gotten swallowed up alive when their anger was kindled against us. It would be like we were eaten by fire-breathing dragons. That's how bad it would have been. Do you know how bad we would have been obliterated if the Lord had not been on our side? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, let me tell you, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. It would be like a tsunami that just wiped us from the face of the earth. That's how bad it would be if the Lord was not on our side. But it doesn't stop there. You know how bad it would be if the Lord was not on our side? There it is. There it is. It would be like the water would go over us. The raging waters would have been above us. It would be like we were at the bottom of the sea, drowned. Yuck. That, that's a picture right there, is it? In fact, it's three different, quite terrible pictures of what would it be like, of what it would be like if God were not on our side, if the Lord were not on our side. Now, 
This is, as it says in the beginning of our psalm, this is a, a psalm of David. And so um, David, as the author of this psalm, um, means that we don't know exactly when and for what occasion this psalm was written. And that's particularly true of David because David lived a dangerous life. In fact, there, there are many instances in his life that we could point to and say, yeah, it might be that. Oh, no, but it might have been this other time. Uh, you know, because that's just the kind of life David lived. And I got to tell you, as I was studying this passage, it just struck me that David has a different idea of what it looks like for God to be on his side than I do. Okay? I mean, when I think about God being on my side, I think about none of this happening at all, right? I mean, if, if I'm getting even close to being swallowed up alive, I'm just starting to think, hey, God, where are you, right? And if, if the, the flood is, you know, almost sweeps me away, I'm starting to wonder, all right, God, whose side are you really on? <laughs> I, if, if I'm drowned alive, I'm going, all right, clearly something's wrong. You see, David didn't think that. These things happen to David, and he remembers them, writes them down for us to remember how amazing it is that the Lord is on our side, even in the midst of all this. Now, David had a different level of faith, right? This is next level kind of faith that David has, okay? Remember, David is the guy who volunteered to fight the giant, right? David is the guy who, he, he, you know, his, his sheep got taken by, you know, by a lion, by a bear, and David goes after the lion and the bear. Now, I haven't met many sheep, but I'm pretty sure I'm not going to meet one that I love enough to go fight a bear for, okay? That's just, that's just next level here. This guy lived a dangerous life. He was a different kind of person. And so, I wonder what this says about this passage. What does this mean for us? But David doesn't stop there. David doesn't stop there. He gave us three images and he gives us another one. But before he does so, he breaks out into what has become, what has become a, a phrase of worship. He says... The next verse, Baruch Adonai. All right, now, the phrase is blessed be the Lord in English, but I want you to repeat the Hebrew with me. Baruch Adonai. That's right. Oh, that is a beautiful phrase. That's a phrase that, that Jewish believers, Hebrew-speaking believers still say today. Baruch Adonai. It means blessed be the Lord. That the Lord is blessed now, once again, I say that typically when things are going my way. It's easier for me to say that when things are going my way. But David says it and then says, Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth, as pray to their, do you see what David's doing here? He is saying, blessed be the Lord who has not allowed me to be dog food. 
Oh, thank you, God, for not letting me be dog food. Now, as I realized this, I thought, this guy has just got a different idea of what it means to praise the Lord. Because I don't want to be there. (laughs) I don't want to be in a situation where I have to pray that prayer. Anyone else? Anyone with me here? Yeah, that's not a prayer. I want to pray. In fact, I don't think... I don't think that's, that's what we do. We don't do dangerous, do we? I mean, this is, this is America. We, we, we pride ourselves on being safe from the danger, for being comfortable, right? Isn't that what the point of life is, is to be free from all of the danger? Hmm. Let's find out. Because I have a feeling it's not. At least not for those who trust in the name of the Lord. Because it seems to me that David is telling us something about this God. He's telling us because David does not assume that it's God's job to keep him from danger. Otherwise, he would only praise God when he did. But here he is in the midst of the danger and he's still saying, oh, thank you, God. You just saved me by the hair of my chin, right? I mean, whew, just barely. David's going through some really hard times. And the only way you would pray a prayer like this is if you went through some terrible, awful times. In fact, David's prayer assumes that God can still be good and praiseworthy even when we do go through these times even when the monsters are out to get us, even when the floodwaters come in, when we almost drowned. God can still be praised then. And maybe this is why I was drawn to the fifth and final metaphor that, uh, that David brings up here. And this metaphor is one that I like a lot better. Okay, I mean, he's gone through the, the first four I don't like so much, but he says, we have escaped like a bird from the snare, from the trap, from the cage of the fowler or the, 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 the hunter of birds that, that now David's saying, we've escaped. We are free like a bird. And this is the point in the sermon where someone yells out, free bird. And then we hold up lighters, and we sway, that's right, that's right, because we're, we're making a playlist, and this psalm, this psalm is about a free bird. It, it literally is. And the, the psalm, the image gets even better, because not only is this a bird who flies free, from the jaws of death. But goes on to say that the snare is broken and we have escaped. The snare's broken. There, there's no more cage that can hold you because it is broken. The enemy who was close at your door now has no further means of attack. And so, 
I got to thinking, I want to be at this part. I like this part. I like freedom. Anybody else? We like freedom. This is the part that, man, we just say, sign me up for that. I want to get to the part where we fly on wings like eagles, right? That's what we want to. And yet, this psalm takes us down a different journey to get there. It takes us through some wild turns, some detours that I'm not too comfortable with. This image of freedom is a beautiful one, but to get there, it takes us down some really tough roads. And according to the psalm, the road to, to freedom involved being almost swallowed alive, swept away, drowned, almost chewed up by animals, and then hunted like prey before getting to enjoy the freedom that we love. And I got to just point out something to you, that this is probably a more realistic image of the Christian journey than one of just pure victory. Here's how I want to put it. The life of faith is not just the path of victory. It's the dangerous road to freedom. It's a dangerous road to freedom. I think that's what this psalm is telling us today. Now, let me be clear. Uh, we have victory in Jesus, amen? We, we, we know that we will see a victory, right? And yet, the same path to victory is also a path through the dangerous road of faith and trust that leads to freedom. This is one of the things I love about the Psalms, because uh, you read, you know, all 150 of them, and, and you'll, you'll, you'll hear some things that are similar, but you'll hear uh, different things that, that are not. You'll hear some things that you go, what? This was one of those for me until I got to the freedom part. I remember thinking, well, um, like, I don't relate to this at all. What's going on? And then I got to the freedom, and I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to call this free bird. <laughs> That's just, what's that? But yet, there's... This psalm, and this is what I want to highlight for you today, is this psalm tells us something about life. Because my conviction, God, God put this in his book. And God put this in his book for you and for me. Because we're supposed to read it. We're supposed to pray it. We're supposed to sing it. This is supposed to be a part of our road trip playlist as we go throughout life, as we journey with God, and we're supposed to relate to it. And so if we can't, and whenever we get to a place where we can't relate, we have to ask ourselves a question. Is it a problem with the psalm or a problem with me? And I, I got to admit, uh, the problem's here. The problem is right here. Because I got to admit that as a, you know, relatively comfortable, middle-class pastor, I didn't see this 
and say, oh yeah, of course, the life of faith is a dangerous life. I, I didn't see danger in my life all that much. And I, I say that, say that a little to my shame because maybe I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to relate a little bit more. Maybe we're supposed to relate just a little bit more. Because the truth of the matter is that while very few of us Americans are going to face the kind of life and death danger that David did, that we, but we will face danger. And living the life of a Christian is dangerous. It is dangerous. It's just dangerous in different ways. It, it may not be dangerous physically, but it may be dangerous to your reputation. You may say something about Jesus and then you may be labeled. You may be labeled as that guy. You may not be invited to the same parties that everyone else is. You, you may find that living a life of faith is dangerous to your pride. Because you, you may find that you, you did something wrong and you need to admit it and you need to go and say, I'm sorry to somebody. And that, that hurts at times. Or even worse, you may find yourself in a situation where you need to forgive someone. And do you realize that in forgiveness, we're giving somebody the, the power to hurt us again? Because we don't know if they're going to do that again. That forgiveness is dangerous. And yet, this is what we're called to. This is the life that we're called to. You know, uh, you might find that it's dangerous to your finances. You know, we could use that money for all sorts of things. There's lots of things that I'd, I'd love to go out and buy, and yet, we're called to give sacrificially. It could be dangerous in a lot of ways. It's definitely dangerous when we choose generosity over financial safety. Now, in all those scenarios, uh, I want to just tell you, the danger is worth it. No doubt. The danger is worth it. Because that's, that's, where, the, that's where the life is. And I hope you see that today. But the truth of the matter is, we may want another road that leads to victory, but there is no other road. It's the same road. It's a road that is all, has all sorts of detours on it. That's why this psalm is in the book, to remind us, to remind us that it could be a lot worse. Oh, it could be really bad if the Lord had not been on our side. But I think this is true um, here in this psalm, but I, I think you'll see that it's, it's true in life. That actually the, the, most, the most beautiful destinations are the ones that have the hardest and dangerous, most dangerous road to get there. You realize that? You realize, um, you know, I, no matter what it is, I think of the, the destinations that I want to get to, that I want to go back to. I think of a, a, little, a little hike, a backpacking trip outside of Mammoth in this place called Ansel Adams Wilderness. It's called Island Pass. 
Now you have to backpack about 11 or 12 miles to get there, up steep, windy roads, switchbacks for days. (laughs) But it's beautiful. I think of the 64-mile road with 620 dangerous turns and 59 single-lane bridges, the road to Hana. Oh, man, it's dangerous, but it's worth it in the end, right? Because the most beautiful destinations often are the, or take the roads that are the most dangerous and the hardest and all the great stories of faith. All the great stories of our heroes of the faith are stories of people who have chosen the dangerous road instead of choosing the easy road. They've decided not to be safe, but to take bold and dangerous steps of faith. One of, one of my heroes is a, is a guy I, I got to... I got to meet a number of times. He was a good friend of my, of my grandfather's. His name is Dr. John Perkins. And Dr. Perkins uh, was born one year after Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He, he, he fought some of the, the same battles, in a sense, as Dr. King. And yet, Dr. King didn't make it. Dr. Perkins escaped as if a bird, as like a bird, time and time again. In fact, uh, John grew up in a, in a place that was decidedly not the safest place to grow up as a black man in the South. He grew up in Mississippi. And in Mississippi, he, uh, he ran into all sorts of trials. In fact, his brother, his name is Clyde, his, uh, Clyde came back from, from fighting for our country and there was a, a white police officer who was ingrained in his culture. He, he was taught ignorant hate. And unfortunately, he harassed Clyde. Clyde made the mistake of defending himself from being hit and the police officer shot him and killed him. Terrible. Awful. John, John watched, I mean, that was his, John's uh, older brother. And so here John was developing a heart of hate. He was building up these walls and he vowed to, to leave Mississippi and never come back. He said, I just can't take any more of this. And so he moved to Southern California. In Southern California, uh, he started a family. He actually ended up going off and served in the Korean War. And when he came back, his, his four-year-old son invited him to church. Four-year-old son invited him to church. John met Jesus there. And sure enough, he'll tell you that his heart was changed. He started realizing that he can't live with that hate anymore. He, he would say later that, that, that hate was building up in him was, he felt like, just as bad as the hate that people had for him. And so he felt God calling him to go back to Mississippi. He felt God calling him to go back in the 60s, back into Mississippi, where he knew it would be dangerous, where he knew it would be hard where he knew he would be risking his life 
what he said is, his words were, that I want to go preach a gospel that is strong enough to destroy this hatred. And he did. His life there was not easy. It was difficult. He was beaten many times. He was harassed. One time he was beaten so badly that he almost died. To this day, he still suffers injuries from those beatings. And yet, he chose to go back and take the dangerous road of forgiveness and of offering hope even in the midst of danger. These are the great stories. Forgiveness is dangerous. You know what else is dangerous is faith. Faith is dangerous. The faith that, that we claim to have, I mean, let me, let me just, I mean, point out that we live in a world in which everything that is valued is measurable, observable. We see it. That's what the world values. And yet, has anyone ever seen God? First Peter says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you did not see, you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. You know, the, the joy and the victory is there, but it's dangerous to believe. Hope is dangerous. I don't know anything about what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't, I don't know. In fact, we're mourning a, a friend and they're family are going through a terrible time right now because just this week, a 45-year-old father of three had a heart attack and died. 45 years old. Entirely way too young. I didn't see that coming. None of us know what's going to happen tomorrow. None of us are promised tomorrow. And yet, we still hope. We have a hope that says, I believe that no matter what, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Love is the, the most dangerous of them all. When you love somebody, when you really love somebody, you will place yourself in all sorts of danger and in harm's way to protect the other person. Love is dangerous. And yet, can I tell you, as a, as a Bible-believing Christian who believes this book, I, I got to tell you that the way of faith, hope, and love, this is where the life is. It is worth it, but it's dangerous. So once again, though, what about those of us who can't relate to the danger? Who just kind of say, oh, I, I haven't lived danger. Let me just suggest to you that the lack of danger in a disciple's life may actually be the biggest danger. That the lack of danger may actually be telling us something. That maybe we are not stepping out of our comfort zone. That maybe we're not living the life 
that God wants us to live. And so I wonder if this psalm needs to be a wake-up call for those of us who have gotten complacent, who've gotten comfortable in our faith. Maybe it's time that we step out into the dangerous waters of faith. If you aren't living in such a way that your faith is just a little bit risky, that you don't know what's going to happen, if you're not living that way, I, I just want to tell you, you, you may be missing out on all God has for you. The lack of bold and dangerous faith may have been what Jesus was talking about when he told the church in Laodicea, he said, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. He's saying, stop being complacent. Stop just staying in the middle where it's safe, but get out there. Take a bold step of faith. Jesus is recognizing, though, that faith isn't always easy. When you do that, it's, it, it may be difficult. No, it will be difficult. It is not easy. That wasn't Jesus' call to easy Jesus' call was, take up your cross and follow me. That is not easy. That's not what we're called to. So I'd like to suggest that God is looking for people who will take dangerous steps of faith. He's looking for followers, for people who would step out of the lukewarmness, of the complacency of the just coming to church and then leaving him here. But to step into dangerous steps of faith. So what, what is God calling you to today? Or maybe a, a better question is, what has God been calling you to? But you've been kind of ignoring. Like, nah, I, I just, I can't do that. I mean, yeah, I'm a Christian, but man, I'm not one of those. <laughs> what is God calling you to? Is there someone you need to forgive? Is there someone you need to ask for forgiveness from? Admitting that you're wrong. Maybe God is calling you to give away a dangerous amount of money, of time. Maybe God's calling you to step in a, a dangerous ministry, like, like junior high ministry. Or, I mean, oh my goodness. I can say that I have a junior higher. Um, and thank you. <laughs> Bless you. No. Um, I, what, what is it that God's calling you to do? Maybe there's something that, that you've had on your heart, a, a person that you need to pray for. Maybe it's, it's someone that you need to invite to church. Or you just need to be more open about what you believe in. I mean, th these are steps of dangerous faith. And this is what we're called to. Whatever it is, I can, I can promise you that it will not be easy. But I can promise you that the Lord 
will be on your side. The Lord will be on your side to fight for whatever he has called you to do. To be there for you. Because just think about it. What if the Lord had not been on our side? Where would we be? Not here. Do you know which side God's on? Because you could get into all sorts of debates on whose side God is on. Can I just tell you simply, I think what this passage is telling us is that God is always on the side of giving you opportunities to trust him. He's always on the side of giving you an opportunity to trust him. But you know what? He's also always on the side of everyone else to give them opportunities to trust him. I think I could say that both about David and whoever the enemy was. That God wanted to give them opportunities to trust. That's true of everyone. That we're given opportunities. That what God does, God is in the business of of turning whatever happens in your life, turning it into an opportunity to trust him. To say, yes, I believe. To say, I'm going to trust you even though. No matter what happens, there's a way to trust Jesus. You might say, well, I mean, there's some things that are just too hard. The Bible um, foresaw those things. Paul says this, that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. It's, It's stuff we've all dealt with. God is faithful, he says, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, and and let me say, with the danger, with the persecution, with whatever it is that comes your way, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it, that you can endure it. He's provided a way out of the most dangerous of situations. This means no danger is too great for you because this is the nature of God, that God is our help. And that's how the passage ends today. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now, told this uh, translation is accurate and yet at the same time this in right here is not a necessary part of the translation of course it is helpful to think that, that our hope is in the name of the lord you could take it out and look what it says our help is the name of the lord our help is the name of the Lord. And whenever the Bible talks about the name, okay, that, that had specific meaning in Hebrew culture. And it, and, it, and it gets at the very essence of who that person is. This is the very essence of who God is. What it's saying is our help is the, the goodness of God. It's the love of God. It's the righteousness of God. It's the kindness, the omnipotence, the power of God. This is where our help is. And all of these attributes, they are most fully visible. They, are most, they fully come together. 
that we have the most clear picture of God. Do you realize this? That we have the most clear picture of who God is in the person of Jesus. That it's Jesus who is the exact imprint of the very nature of God, is what Hebrews says. Jesus is our example. And I've been saying all along that, that there's this dangerous road to freedom. It's also the same path to victory. Okay, but I, I, I want to be careful that I, I'm not trying to tell you that you've got to somehow earn this or anything. Because, can I give you the good news? The good news is that the most dangerous of all roads has, has already been traveled for you. That, that the, the steepest mountain has already been climbed. That Jesus has actually gone before you. He's the one who sings this psalm for us. He's the one who says, our help is in the name of the Lord. He's the one who can truly say, Baruch Adonai, blessed be the Lord. He's done this for you. And so, the Bible tells us that the name, at the name of Jesus, okay, the same name, the name that now has been given to Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So I don't know if you're here today and you, you've never called upon the name of the Lord. And if you are, I, I know why you're here. You're here today because this is your time. I don't know who invited you or how you got here. Maybe it was a four-year-old kid that invited you to church, just like John. Because John Perkins, he's still going, actually, at 91 years old. He's still going, and I got to hear him. I got to hear him uh, preach um, at a conference uh, a number of years back, and so a bunch of staff were there from our church. It was a multi-ethnic church conference where it was all about churches of, of different ethnicities coming together. I mean, it, it was the most beautiful thing. This was the most like heaven that I've seen. All different nationalities, some different languages, praising God together. This is what heaven will be like. And sure enough, John Perkins was like the keynote speaker. He's this hero uh, and he gets up, and, and he's, he's in his 80s, so he's getting frail. But sure enough, about towards the end, it's as if he kind of went off script a little bit. And now you kind of felt like, all right, he's, he's teaching from his heart now. Because he just looked out at the crowd, the diverse crowd, and he said, I could die now. He said, this conference has helped me to complete a life. Like Simeon waiting for the Messiah, then meeting Jesus in the temple, I've seen some hope fulfilled. Now just recognize, this is a man who hoped when it was dangerous. Here he is saying, he's, I can feel it being fulfilled. I, I feel finished. I couldn't be more joyful. Everything else we do is minor, no greater call than to be called to the service of Jesus and this is his quote, this renewal of God, it's gonna happen. The world will see what can't happen politically or socially. This will show what only God can do. 
That's what his life shows, is only what God can do. And that is what a life of dangerous faith shows. It shows us only what God can do. Dangerous faith reveals only what God can do. Not what I can do, but what God can do. And we need a lot more of that dangerous faith. Even John Perkins' work is not over. What work is he calling you to? What work are, do you sense God saying, I need to step out in faith? John, on that day, ended his time by by saying some of the most powerful words I could ever say. He, he talked about himself being like a, like a bird, actually. That he was like a, as he called it, an old bird. An old bird that had been freed from its cage. These are the words he used. And then he ended by just singing a song. He sang... Some glad morning, when this life is o'er, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Lord God, I ask, I ask that we would hold on to that victory, the victory that we have in Jesus. But I also pray at the very same time that you would help us to take the dangerous steps of faith, to step out boldly, proclaiming the good news of who you are, the reconciliation, forgiveness, the trust in Jesus. We pray that would be true of us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to our service. We'd love to have you join us in person. For more information about our church and service times, please visit efcc.org. If you would like to support the ministries of Emmanuel Faith, you can do so at efcc.org give.